0: Dance Masters, the
1: podcast.
0: I'm only listening if you get people chatting music with DJs behind the music. Chatting music with DJs behind the music. I'm James Blonde and welcome to the brand new Dance Masters podcast. In this show, we dig a little deeper with the superstars of the UK dance scene and find out a bit more about what goes on behind the scenes and what makes them tick. Tonight's guest DJ has always appeared to have a clear vision as to what he wants, and where he wants to be. A consummate professional with over 20 albums and mixed compilations to his name, and the accolade of second-place position on the first World's Top 100 DJ poll back in 1991. Radio presenter, lecturer, producer, and first and foremost, a well-respected DJ by peers and public alike, Graham Park, welcome to Dance Masters.
1: Thank you very much for having me. You've done your research. I'd forgotten about that uh, top 100, but that's because I was second. Nobody ever remembers who was second, did they? Well,
0: it was the very first chart as well, wasn't it? So I think, you know, you look back at that and just say, bloody Danny Ramplin.
1: <laughs> which is which is something I often see, yeah.
0: <laughs> I was chatting with uh, with Dave Lee uh, about his first job uh, working in a record shop, as, as many of us did uh, by The Sound of Things. Uh, you also started your musical journey in a shop. How did that help define your sound as, as a DJ?
1: Well, I mean... To be honest, my first job in a record shop was when I was 14 in uh, Scotland and I had a Saturday job in a record shop called Bruce's and that's really where my kind of eclectic tastes began. But then when I moved to the East Midlands and ended up running the singles and second-hand department of Selected Disc in Nottingham, then my education just continued because, I've, all, like I said, I've always had eclectic tastes. I like all kinds of music. Up until house music came along, my DJ sets were very, very eclectic. But when you run the second hand department, honestly, it's like a universe of music, acts and albums and artists you may have heard of, and then somebody comes in with these records to sell. So you play them in the shop and go, Wow, this is incredible. But also being in charge of the singles as well meant that every new release that came in, I had access to and any limited edition twelve-inch versions I had access to, and all that was reflected in my early days as a DJ. And
0: the uh, the hacienda was massively influential on you and uh, and your career as well.
1: Up until uh, nineteen eighty eight. Things were going pretty well for me as a DJ. Up until becoming a DJ in 1984, I, I played in bands. That's what I wanted to do. But by accident, became a DJ. Absolutely loved it, embraced it, got more and more well-known, first of all, in the East Midlands, then up to South Yorkshire, then the West Midlands, then a few things down south. And and when I met Mike Pickering, Who I was aware of because of his work with Quando Quango and Ticoy, and because I knew he was a a DJ at Hacienda. We kind of hit it off, and he asked me to cover for him, and things really went into orbit then. But I'd like to think Hacienda was just a catalyst, you know, like so many things in my career. I was just the right person in the right place at the right time. But of course, when you are in that situation, I've always made sure that, right, hang on, this has happened by chance, or it's pure luck that's got me here. I'm going to make sure I grasp it with two hands and make sure i hang on to it so but yeah i mean amazing amazing nightclub and even though the venue's gone the hacienda still exists i mean we've had five very successful years with the hacienda classical show and we do three or four hacienda club nights a year all around the country and there will be four or five hacienda classical shows this year and hacienda club nights as well and next year 2022 because it's the 40th anniversary of the club opening, we've got lots of amazing plans for next year as well.
0: The Hacienda Classical was a stroke of genius that blurred the lines between
1: electronic music and live. How did that come about? Um, In 2015, a conversation was had between me and a guy called Fletch, who's the Hacienda manager. We just talked about maybe doing a classic, some kind of live orchestral thing, which I really wanted to do because as a DJ, of like 30 odd years, it gets a bit tedious when some club nights, some audiences, they just want to hear the, the music they grew up with. But, you know, as a DJ, that gets a bit boring, dare I say. And I was quite keen on the idea of doing something a bit different um, and reimagining these classic tracks so that it was a bit more involving and exciting, not just for me but for the audience. And that's how the conversation began. Peter Hook owns the Hacienda name, so obviously we had to involve him. And after a few conversations and speaking to a guy called Tim Crooks, who's our arranger and conductor, and meeting the Camarata Orchestra, and Fletch came back with a date in the middle of February 2016. We're doing it. I have booked the Bridgewater Hall. That's when I had to really think how is it going to work. So Mike Pickering and I, between us came up with 20 classic tracks that I then made into a DJ mix. We took the DJ mix to Tim Crooks, who then scored it and arranged it. Then that's when I realized that I would have to do some live electronic elements with the orchestra. So the first show, which was a one-off, ended up being two shows. Then then we got asked to do the Royal Albert Hall, the Brighton Dome and a festival in Lancaster, and then that led to it becoming a tour. And then it just went on and developed throughout 2018 and 2019 and moved forward with a new show.
0: Quite looking forward to hearing more about that. I'll keep my ears and my eyes peeled for the all-new Hacienda Classical.
1: That's the great thing about it. It's not just something to listen to. It's, it's, It's a spectacle. It looks amazing. We've got a choir. We've got 70 classical musicians guest vocalists. the lighting is amazing and it really is a spectacular show and that's why i i really wanted to do something to to, to reimagine classic tunes with a live feel and new arrangements and we kind of remix things live as well
0: and I think it also opens up doors to audiences that were predominantly dance music based to listen to live music and people who were into classical music to hear dance music played in a different way. I, I just think it's such a an amazing approach to blend two genres that weren't really made to go together. You know, they're from totally opposite ends of the spectrum, aren't they?
1: Well, they are. And we did find a few problems that we had to get over because uh, a classical orchestra, they read music. And so once you score and arrange the music for the orchestra, that's it, it's printed on the page, you can't change it. And that's why after four or five shows in 2016, I realised that the next show had to have more pre-production and a lot more hard work in it. Classical musicians are used to, to following a conductor and the conductor dictates the tempo, the pace, the energy. Because of the electronic elements, in the show that, that I kind of do up at the back We had to work out how to do that and, and and we came up with a solution of Recording a backing track um, With a click And the musicians And me and the singers We all have this click in our ear And the drums in our ears But the conductor's still important Because he will take the orchestra louder and quieter But we're all stuck to the same tempo So we, we learned a lot um as we went along and now we've really got it cracked, so the next show will be incredible. But next year, 2022, because it's fortieth anniversary of the Hacienda opening, we're gonna do an even bigger, better, more spectacular show next year. Unfortunately they've not been announced yet, so I can't tell you uh where they are. I mean everyone will know that there is one in Manchester, of course, at Castlefield Bowl. Uh but there are four other shows confirmed, but they've not been announced yet. So I can't I'll get absolutely in massive trouble if I announce them now
0: well all I'm going to say is if I'm going to see a Hacienda classical show I want to see it in Manchester
1: yeah well exactly Castlefield Bowl is the place to see it uh, don't tell anyone but we might be doing another one in Manchester later in the year as well
0: Shh, mum's the word. <laughs> um, <laughs> you were also involved in the Embrace the New documentary, which I thought the concept was absolutely brilliant, discussing the creative second comings of some household names. So there's Rosie Murphy, Sean Ryder, and a Johnny Marr, and Peter Hook were involved, amongst others. As someone here who's also riding this second wave, where are you up to with that? Is that still happening?
1: Well, um, the pandemic hasn't helped. It's difficult because we need money to finish it. Everyone loves the idea, and after months and months of talks, People are coming back saying, right, here's what we decided. Go and make it. We'll buy it off you. And we're like, no. We need, we need the money to make it. It's still a project that will be finished and, because we believe in it. And it's a great story.
0: Oh, I totally agree. I saw the promo video that you put out. I just thought it was a, a really, really clever concept. So it's watch this space for Embrace the New.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Keep your eyes on my website, This is thisisgraampark.com.
0: Many of the DJs from the 90s explosion diversified into other avenues. Brandon's been an ambassador for mental health. Jim Ryan, and yourself have both gone into teaching. What was your motivation for going down that avenue?
1: Well, in 2008, when we had the financial crash, a lot of clubs went out of business and a lot of promoters went out of business and there was more networking and I lost all my radio shows. So in the space of like six months, my income dropped drastically. Now, I'd always done guest lectures, but by complete chance, a friend of mine asked me if I could cover some of his modules at a university in North Wales for a year and I immediately said yes, because I needed the money. But after a year, when he came back, the university was so pleased with how it had gone. They asked me to stay. And I kind of thought, well, I quite enjoy this. And and that was 13 years ago. And eventually I got a contract. And now I'm a senior lecturer. Now,
0: I know during lockdown, you were doing some live streaming. On top of that, what else were you doing with your lockdown time?
1: Well, I did a lot of work for United We Stream. Um, we did three house and house parties to millions of global audiences, and I did a twelve-hour stream as well. What else have I been doing with my time? I've been campaigning behind the scenes on behalf of my sector, the live sector and the nighttime economy, and talking to MPs and talking to civil servants and talking to people in government. Touchwood,
0: hopefully the industry is opening back up again. What is it that you're most looking
1: forward to? I'm looking forward to just seeing people in the flesh, you know, making eye contact. Because live streaming is fine, but you haven't got an audience to feed off. If you've got my website, this is Graham Parker, come and click gigs. You'll see I've got a couple of outdoor events and I've got small gigs, large gigs, festivals, all kinds of gigs. There's not one particular one I'm looking forward to. So all of them.
0: Here's a question. Do you have a favourite DJ?
1: Yes, it was Frankie Knuckles. I had a friend who lived in uh, New York and used to send me mixtapes, radio recordings that Frankie Knuckles mixes on the radio. His last ever New Year's Eve gig was a Hacienda night in Manchester and I played before him. And as is often the case on big lineups like that, when the DJ comes on after you, you tend to either leave or you tend to go backstage or go and hang out with people. Mm-hmm. But I stayed and listened to Frankie Knuckles. And I just think his, his mixing, his choice of music and his whole vibe, was incredible yeah frankie knuckles definitely
0: we have a little fan favorite feature here on the show what's in your box where we just do a little deep dive into musically what makes uh makes our guest tick is there a, a signature record or, or a go-to record that defines the Grand park sound
1: i suppose an audience would say my my brand new heavies remix but i get fed up playing that to be honest um and also if you look at all my remixes that's not the one i'm most proud of it's probably the one i'm most known for but not the one i'm most proud of there's a couple of Inner City mixes I did that I'm more proud of, and Sexual Maria Rowe. I'm more proud of that than Brand New Heavies as well. A signature sound, I don't know. My wife always says that when I in the clothes and I started working for Cream, that's uh, so how I met her, she works at Cream. On the door, she said you could always tell when I came on the decks because the, the kind of rhythms and the vibe changed. So I don't know, you'd have, to ask, you'd have to ask a punter what a signature Graham Park. June was
0: in the days of throwaway mp3s do you have a treasured piece of vinyl or when you've gone and traded in your tracks and you've cherry picked through all your records gone i'm not going to get rid of that one or those couple there because of x
1: um well i've never got rid of a record ever uh, i've been meaning to because about 2008 i lived in an enormous house and I had a double garage and all my vinyl was in the garage but then one of the things we had to do in 2008 was move house and downsize because this massive house was hemorrhaging money. And so all my records have been in a lockup right. <laughs> since 2010. And I do visit them and grab some and digitize some and dig some out. And every time I'm there, I'm so, I really need to get rid of some of these because um, I've cost a fortune to keep them there. I'm determined at some point to get, to get in there and, and maybe sell some. And when I do... Well, I'm sure people will be very excited. Because when I used to buy vinyl, I always, always bought two of everything. And that was originally to cut copies up. But then as house music took over, I I rarely used the second one. So there's loads and loads of like probably mint condition classic tunes just waiting to be sold. <laughs> What's Graham's secret
0: guilty pleasure track?
1: Well, you see, I don't go for this guilty pleasure thing because I think anything goes. I don't think you should be ashamed of anything you like, which is why I dropped at the hacienda one Saturday. Some people who were there might remember it. I dropped the 12-inch dub mix of the Stock Ik and Waterman produced "What Do I Have to Do" by Kylie because it's one of the. It's just an incredible club record. Um, But you see, some people say, oh, that's a guilty pleasure. I just think it's a great record. There's an Abba track that I have dropped in a club called Summer Night City. People don't realise it's Abba. I would draw the line at novelty records, though. I really would. I can't even think of a novelty record that I like.
0: Let's not even think about novelty records. Um, Are there any new tunes that we should be watching out for? Or is there anything that you're currently listening to that should be on our radar?
1: Yes. I do like to keep on top of what's happening. And the, the new Ten City single it's really it's called Be Free there's a track from Australia by a band called Ludes called Riviera which is enormous and I just want to play these records in a club and and I'm a a big fan of Icelandic band Gus 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 have got a new single out Our World I could go on all day telling you about these great news tracks I've discovered
0: Graham thanks very much for taking the time out to join us here on Dance Masters it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for having me So if you've liked what you've heard and you fancy adding some tunes into the mix, check out the full two-hour show with an exclusive mix from tonight's guest at unionjackdance.co.uk. Joining us on the next episode is Fantasia legend Alistair Whitehead and we'll be chatting about all his favourite tunes, guilty pleasures and what makes him tick. Thanks for listening. Join us back here next Friday on Dance Masters and don't forget to hit the link to subscribe. Dance
1: Masters, the podcast. I'm only listening if
0: you get people chatting music with DJs behind the music. Chatting music with DJs behind the music.